we're about to start something this week called the Blessed Life. And you guys know, every time I launch a series, I always say, this is the most exciting series we've ever had, right? I say that. <laughs> I'm telling you, this one... <laughs> This one is life-changing. It's life-changing. And so I, 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 I don't want to oversell or undersell. I don't want to sell anything. <laughs> but I want you to know, if, if, you can, if you can commit to the next few weeks, um, how many of you think you live a blessed life? How many of you think you can define blessed life? <laughs> well, there's a couple hands. I, I think, I think we think we kind of know, but I think the scripture, I don't think, I know the scripture really explains what this is. And, and I, I, would ask, I would ask this of you, right? If you don't normally take notes in church, I would ask you for the next couple weeks to maybe consider it. Um, because we're going to get into some principles in the word of God that I'm telling you, if you apply these principles in your life, it will transform your life. God doesn't just exist to make us feel good or just to know that one day we'll die and go to heaven. It's not what this is about. We are meant to do something significant while we're living. We are meant to do something significant in this earth while we're living. We are meant to drive back the forces of darkness. We are meant to live a life that people look at and say something's different about that person. We are meant to live in such a way that it is a testimony to the greatness of God in our life. And if you don't feel like you fit in any one of those categories, that's what we're going to look at. What is a blessed life? What does it really mean to live a blessed life? What does it mean to make an impact in your community, in your world, in your family? We know that we exist here for what? What, what do we exist here for? So that people can know Jesus, so that people can find freedom, so that people can discover their purpose. And so what's the last one? So that you can make a difference. The thing about living for God is not your get out of hell free card. It's not what it's about. The reason why we live for Christ and the reason why we follow after Christ is because he has a distinct purpose for you and I. And that purpose, if it's lived out, will change the world that we're living in. How many of you feel, I was having a conversation with a couple of guys this, just yesterday about politics. I hate talking about politics. It's terrible. It's always bad news. There's never good coming out of that conversation. You're going to get mad at somebody. You're going to get mad at you, and you're going to hate whoever's in the lead, in, in the lead right? <laughs> That's just how it works. But we're talking about politics and how... There, sometimes, uh, if you're doing the right thing, it just feels impossible to make a difference. I mean, can I really change the trajectory of our country? Probably not. There's a lot of things that are out of our control, but I do know this. If I follow Christ and commit my life to him and I pursue a blessed life, God can do things that are well beyond my capabilities. And God can turn things around that are well beyond what you and I are able to do on our own. So that's what we're going to unpack some amazing stuff about living a blessed life. And so if you're willing to, to make a commitment, if you're willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to open up my heart and my mind. I'm going to see if I really know what a blessed life is. And if I'm not living one, I want to take the effort, make the effort, take the journey and live a blessed life. Who's with me? Can I get it? All right. We got a few. Good. Good, we got enough to get this thing going. So what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? Let's define it. Blessed is divinely or supremely favored. That sounds good. I kind of like that. Divinely or supremely favored. So here's the thing about blessing, and when we're talking about it in this context, please do not think 
Instant gratification is blessing. Please do not think that if I do three things, then all of a sudden my bank account's going to explode. I'm going to drive the latest and greatest. I'm going to have a perfect life. I'm not going to have any problem. Don't think that. This is the long game. This is playing the long game. This is doing some things in your life, some principles that are in the Word of God, some principles that you can apply to your life, that when you do it, as the days come and go, as the years come and go, you're going to look back over your life and you're going to say, I lived a blessed life. So you've got to be aware that it's not instant, and you've got to start recognizing when God does something in your life. There are so many times that God does things in our life that we're not even aware or we didn't even pay attention to it. Right? I do that. I just take it for granted sometimes. I take for granted that I go out there and I start my car and it runs. I take for granted that I have a safe, warm bed to sleep in at night. I take for granted that I don't have to go home tonight, today, and wonder, am I going to have something to eat? I don't have to think about any of those things. I take those things for granted. So it's, there's, there's multiple things that happen here. One is our ability to recognize when God is actually working in our life. And two is to, when we realize it, begin to understand that there's a principle that it's not happening by accident. It's not happening. I want to just say this just as a caveat. God is not fair. And he doesn't deal in fairness the way you and I think of fairness. So blessing is not fair. Blessing and favor are not, well, he did it for her, so he's got to do the exact same. It's not how God works. Look all through Scripture. He deals with people in different ways. But there are some principles that we're going to unpack that will help you understand that you can earn the favor of God. God will give salvation to anyone that believes. But favor is something different. Divine favor. You interested? Have I enticed you enough? <laughs> Keeping you coming? So let's look at the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a great place to start. Um, when, when I'm going to move quickly through this stuff. When God was uh, establishing his relationship with the children of Israel, at this time they were in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And it was time for them to become free. And so Moses went to Pharaoh and said, look, if you don't let my people go, there's going to be all kinds of hell and damnation is going to fall on your head. And that's exactly what happened. Plagues came. But the, the children of Israel were living in the land of Goshen. And if you study, if you look in the Old Testament, when you hear these stories and you read the stories of the plagues, you will find that every time a plague would come to Egypt, this little land of Goshen was exempt. When there were frogs all over the place, they didn't have any frogs. When there was darkness over the land, they had plenty of light. Whenever there was fam, they had plenty of... There was always this special favor to these people that lived in the land of Goshen. There's, this, there's a story in the Bible, a man called Jabez. It's just a brief mention in 1 Chronicles. But I want to read this, this passage of scripture to you because it's significant about how God favors someone. So Jabez had several brothers, and his name actually means born out of sorrow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he had a great future. Your name means born out of sorrow. So in 1 Chronicles 4.10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Uh, the guy had a bunch of brothers, and they didn't have this testimony. They didn't have this story. But God has a way of recognizing something with someone and 
by a life choice they choose to accept, a principle they live by, whatever the case is, and God will give them favor that's different from other people. I don't know about you, but I want to live in God's favor. Not so that I can have everything I want. That's not what this is. You have to understand this is not... This is not a slot machine. God is not a coin slot machine. If I put enough offering in, I'll hit the jackpot one day. That's not what this is. It's about principled living. So let's move ahead to the New Testament, the early church. I love, I love the, the book of Acts and the stories of, of what was happening after Jesus was, was gone and he was leaving his disciples to, to spread the gospel. And so the gospel was spreading every day. People were coming to the church and it was just an explosive time. In Acts chapter 4, it's talking about the spread of the gospel and how, how so many things were happening. And, and there's a, a passage in, in chapter 4 that says, God's grace was so powerfully at work among all the people that there were no needy persons among them. They were doing things like, you know what, I've got an extra piece of land. I'll just sell the land and bring it to Pastor Scott and just do this for whatever, whatever we need to do at church. Let's just do it. There were people that, that maybe they fell on the hard times and they didn't have a job. The Bible says there was no needy people among them. There was such a, a generosity and such a spirit of giving and openness. And this blessing from God just was there and people were sharing in the blessings of God. It happens. There's plenty of evidence. I'm only hitting a couple of highlights. What does it look like in present day? We talk about Old Testament, we talk about New Testament. What does it look like now? I'll tell you what blessing and favor looks like. It's when we take what we have, we begin to live a principled life. And you're going to ask me at the end of this message, you said principled life a lot and you didn't tell me what the principle was. Well, you got to come back next week, right? That's, the whole, that's how we get people to come back to church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's gonna, these are going to build, so you gotta, you got to work with me here. These things are going to build on each other, and it's going to help us understand that there are life changes we make that change the way God interfaces with us. Does that make sense to you? Now, let me just stop. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation, you don't do anything to earn except believe, confess, and repent, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a blessed life. I'm talking about... Salvation's established, you're walking with Christ, you're following Christ, and he is teaching you his ways. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about principled life. So what happens is we begin to give our best, and then God takes what we give and miraculously and supremely and sovereignly multiplies it and blesses it. What does that look like? Well, it looks like you're working your job, 15 other people on your crew, you're doing your best. And God shows up, and you get favor out of all the 15 people. The boss picks you. The boss promotes you. That changes all kinds of things in your life. Or perhaps you're in college, and you're just working your fingers to the bone to try to make sure you pass this. I was talking to Tristan about finals, three- and four-hour-long finals. What are they doing to people? <laughs> but you give your best. You reach a point. You say, you know what, God? I've studied. I've been diligent. But I'm living a blessed life. You make up the difference. You literally get into your class, you're doing your test, and you're like, man, what is the answer to that? And it's there. Now, you can say that's just accident. You can say that that's just because I know. If you begin to understand what it means to live a blessed life, you will begin to see things that you thought were accidents that are no longer accidents. They're divine appointments. They're God showing up on your behalf. Faith is not something we profess. Faith is something we live. Faith is something we do on purpose. And when you begin to live faith on purpose, you'll start seeing God do things that you thought were just by accident. 
We'll get into that a little bit more. You can't overlook the blessings of God in your life. What does paying my tithes, giving in the offering have to do with having a good marriage? What does being obedient to the word of God have to do with, with having a good family life? It has everything to do with it. Because the blessings of God do not always come in the way that we assume they will come. I probably should say that one more time. The blessings of God do not always come the way we assume that they will come. If I'm faithful with my tithe and God blesses my home, is one a blessing or not a blessing? Of course it's a blessing. If I'm faithful with, with my my time that I give to God, and God in turn blesses me financially. Is that a blessing? Of course it's a blessing. It is not, there is not a magic formula, if I give 10, I get 40. There's not a magic formula that says, if I give God an hour, he'll give me three more hours at the end of my week. That's not, there's not a one-for-one one ratio or a one-for-ten ratio. I'm talking about the life that you live. There are so many things that we look for as as needing God's help in, or we just take for granted that God is just, that, that life is just working okay right now. That is not what a Christ follower, how, how they're supposed to live. A Christ follower lives on purpose. Do bad things happen to good people? Absolutely. We quote this verse all the time. In this world, this is Jesus speaking, you will have trouble. But what else does he say? Take heart because I have overcome the world. So it's not, don't misunderstand and think that if I live this certain way, then I'll never have a problem again in my life. That is not it. But what I can tell you, what I can assure you, and what you'll begin to see in this Blessed Life series is that God will take your life and he will work things in your favor on your behalf and you won't even realize that there is not certain things happening. There are not certain things happening in your life that they may be happening to other people because they're not living a blessed life. So many things that God blesses us with are intangible. You can't count peace, can you? You can't count going home and sitting at the table with your family and there not being some terrible rift there that so-and-so won't talk to somebody else. And so I'm never going back to their house again. You can sit at Thanksgiving dinner with your aunts and uncles and there be peace in the room. You can't put a price tag on that. You can't measure that, can you? But would anyone in this room argue that that's a blessing? If you've ever had an uncle you hated, you probably could. <laughs> How do I know that these are blessings from God and not just good luck? Well, in Psalms 37 verse 23, I'm glad you asked that question. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. You mean to tell me that if I am following after Christ and I am living these principles out and he is guiding my steps, that God is excited and delighted about the life that I am living? There's a paradigm shift. When, when you're living in such a way that up in heaven, God is elbowing whoever he's sitting beside saying, Dude, that guy, I'm digging his life. He's, he's doing it. That's ex he did it with Job. There's a story in the Bible about Job. And the Bible says that there was a time when 
Satan came to heaven and is talking to God, and God's like, dude, have you seen Job? I like his life. And then, of course, there's this whole argument that ensued. Is it because you bless him, and it's because, you know, nothing bad happens to him? Just give me five minutes with the guy, and he'll change, you'll change that whole thing. That's a story you should read. It's fascinating. There's something about living a blessed life that God takes joy in the life you're living. Very key to this is the ability for us to hear God's voice. This is a key piece, and I'm, you've got to remember this when we walk through these next few weeks. You've got to remember this. Hearing God's voice is, is key to living a blessed life. What does that even look like? How do we know if, if, a, if a good man steps or order to the Lord, that means God's talking to this guy. That means there's some kind of communication happening that he knows the path he's taken is the right one. Some dialogue is going on. Prayer, if, if you think prayer is just a one-way conversation, megaphone yelling at heaven, you've missed prayer because that's not what it is because we have a heavenly father that is very interested in talking to us. And it's hard to hear his voice because it's not a megaphone. It's not like, this is God. No, it's not that. It's a simple, small voice that God impresses on us. And when we learn to trust that, friend, when it says the Lord orders the steps of a godly man, he does. He does. Why does that matter? This is why I'm saying living a blessed life is something for the long game. You don't buy a house every day. But at that moment when you're making a decision on buying a house, if you've developed this kind of connection with God, you don't buy the house that termites are in there that the inspector didn't catch. You don't buy the house that's falling apart because God just gives you, I just don't feel right about this one. I think this is the better choice. No big voice from heaven. There was no cloud riding in the sky, but God is leading your step. Are you, are you with me? I'm talking about living a blessed life when God gets involved in whether or not you pick job A or job B, whether you pick woman A or woman B. That's a big one. Whether you pick guy A or guy B, <laughs> whatever your decisions are. I mean, you don't have to ask him where you're going to eat for lunch, but maybe you should because maybe at restaurant A, there's somebody that you're going to talk to that doesn't know about God. So when you start taking off the layers of life and say, you know what, God, my life is you living through me then show me every part of that. So learning to hear the voice of God is key. In John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus talking here, he says, My sheep, that's us, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Man, this is good stuff. No, I love this line, no one will snatch them out of my hand. People don't just get stolen from God. You don't just fall into sin and die and go to hell. You know, if you're living for God, there's a protection that comes for you. Enemies come in at you. The, the, the enemy comes after you, but there's this safety that's there. You don't even understand how many times God saves us from danger and things that we would not have anticipated, but he just works on our behalf. When we're listening to him, he's talking about us knowing his voice, knowing who he is, and we're following him. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you sometimes just really don't know where God's going in all of your life? You just really don't know. <laughs> hands going up anyway. <laughs> I got both hands. Sometimes I just don't know because there's this whole thing about faith that he just doesn't give us all the answers. But I wake up Monday, he'll give me an answer for Monday and then Tuesday, and then I'll have my answer for Tuesday. And then, you know, I got to make a decision in 10 minutes. And, you know, 10 minutes, all of a sudden I have a decision and I made it and it's the right one. God begins to work 
on our behalf. If you read in John chapter 10 earlier, he's describing what it means to be the shepherd. He talks about protection. He talks about safety. He talks about no one being able to access those sheep unless they come through him. I mean, I don't know about you, but if we were in a fight, Chris isn't here today. He's not here. Where is he at? There he is back there. Now, he's the guy, right, that I want to say, you're not messing with Andrew. You got to come through me, right? That's the guy. So I'm in the fight, and it's about to break down, and Chris says, you got to come through this. I'm like, I win! (laughs) That's what he's talking about here. The enemy comes at you, throwing cancer at you, throwing hatred at you, throwing unforgiveness at you, throwing bitterness at you, and he's like, you got to come through this. I'm talking about living a blessed life. He talks about it. Go home and read John, John chapter 10. It's amazing. And there's a piece of this whole faith thing. You've got to understand something about faith. Faith is like a muscle. Clearly, I know what I'm talking about here. I just need Chris to come stand with me, maybe. <laughs> faith is like a muscle. They tell me <laughs> that you can build them. <laughs> In Romans chapter 12, it says that, that faith is given, every, every person has been given a portion or a measure of faith. We all have a little bit of a measure. Whereas one passage of scripture says faith is like a grain of a mustard seed. If you've ever seen a mustard seed, it's very little. So everybody has this faith. But as we, as we profess our faith, as we grow in Christ, as we follow Christ, faith, faith can grow. You don't have to be scrawny when it comes to faith. And, and so in understanding that and understanding learning to hear God's voice and, and following that direction and knowing what he provides to us and then knowing that my faith can grow in, in to match uh, that level of connection with God, that's pretty amazing because there's a, there's a passage in the scripture um, you know, that, that, that talks about how we grow faith. And it's, in, it's Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is a way that you grow faith. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what I'm doing right now is telling you things about the scripture. We're reading verses in the scripture. We're talking about that. That's building your faith. If I get up here, you, how many of you guys are here for our story series at the beginning of the year? Most awesome series we've ever done, next to this one. Uh, <laughs> we sat up here and we heard people share their stories. And I don't know about you, but my faith grew. Like I was encouraged because I heard of struggles that different people had and I identified with some of those struggles and I thought, you know, the next time I'm facing a hardship, I'm going to remember that. It built my faith. What I'm telling you now, what we're talking about now is building your faith. But there's another part to that too. You can build your faith by hearing the word of God on your own. How many of you know what version is? You know what version is? We got a few. So you go to your phone. Don't do it right this second. But next time you're on your phone, go to the app store and type in Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N, version. It's a Bible app. It is the most amazing app you will ever use. It reads the Bible to you. There's devotions in there. There's videos in there. It's all, basically what I'm saying is Monday through Saturday, I can have as much word of God in my life as I want. As much word of God as I want. Right? So if you want to feed that faith, 
there's all kinds of tools now to do it. You can have it with a conversation with your friend in a small group you're in, all that stuff building. There's a second thing, and that's by experience. In James chapter 2, verse 17, in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. If it's not accompanied by action, is dead. So in other words, if you say, well, I believe in God, but you don't do anything that proves that, then it's kind of dead. Faith takes action. Faith growing takes action. And so part of what we're going to talk about over the next couple weeks is what does it look like when I take a principle from the word of God and I begin to live that out? That's faith in action. And when there's a result that comes at, from you doing that, then your faith begins to grow accordingly. So if God is teaching me how to be faithful with my tithing and my giving and I do that and then God blesses me financially, he's just built my faith. If God is teaching me how to listen to his voice and he says, you know, I really think you should go and talk to this person and encourage them and you do that and that person looks at you and says, I'm so thankful that you told me this because I was facing a very difficult time and you are the answer that I was looking for. That builds your faith. When you're faced with a decision, you don't know the right decision, and you pray, and you make a decision, and it proves to be the right one, that builds your faith. But none of this works if you don't pay attention. If you just consider, well, I'm glad that worked out, and off you go, then none of it builds faith. So let me, let me show you an example. I'm, I'm hurrying here. David, um, you guys know the story of David and Goliath. If you're not familiar with that, the children of Israel were at war with the Philistines, and they were having a battle, and they had this massive dude. They had a Chris except he was even bigger than Chris. And so this guy was huge, right? Nine feet tall. He was a warrior. And he had everybody scared. That Basically, they decided, you know what? Instead of all of us killing everybody, we'll just get him out there, and whoever can beat him wins. This is simple. But nobody would volunteer. So David shows up to bring lunches to his brothers and like, what's going on? Well, that guy, if we can beat him, we win. But if we, if we don't beat him, then we're all going to be slaves for the rest of our life. So I don't want to do that, do you? And David's like, well, sure. <laughs> I'll do it. And here's the thing. This is why faith growing is so important. They take David to the king, and they're like, this guy says he'll fight him. And the king's like, are you kidding me? This is the best we can do? And David says this. He's like, you know, I'm just a shepherd. That's all I do. It's not a great trade, but that's what I do. And there was a time when I was out there taking care of my dad's sheep, and a bear comes and tries to grab one of the sheep. Well, he wasn't taking one of my sheep on my watch. So I fought the bear, I killed the bear, and I got my sheep back. And it happened again with a lion, same thing. And I killed the lion. Got the... So he says, in my estimation, I was doing what I was supposed to do, and God delivered those situations, and they worked out the right way. This is no different. So... The bear wasn't nine feet tall and wasn't a warrior. The lion maybe was a small lion and wasn't a nine-foot-tall warrior. But all those moments when David was taking the lesson, understanding the lesson, then when he faced his Goliath, and now it's a phrase, right? When you're facing a big opposition, you may hear someone say, I'm facing a giant in my life. That's what this is about. If you've paid attention, if you've been living this life I'm talking about, if you've been allowing God to show you these things, then when you face that giant in your life, there will be a confidence with you that says he's taken me through all these other issues and he's helped me overcome all these other problems. This will be no different. People's faith often fail during extreme hardship if they haven't paid attention 
to the point that got them there. If you're not paying attention to God sorting things out Monday through Friday in your life, then when you're faced with news like it's cancer, or you're faced with news like it's going to be a divorce, or you're faced with news like your kid's going to jail, if you're faced with something that will wreck your world, you have nothing to reach back to, to stable yourself, to say, you know what? When I face this problem, he took me through. When I face this challenge, he took me through. This one is no different. It's just bigger. But I'm here to tell you this, that there is no obstacle, there's no giant, there's no opposition that is bigger than the good shepherd who says nothing can get to you unless they come through me. That's what living, ah, you guys should be excited about that. That's good news. That's good news. Living a blessed life. Biblical principles to live by that produce a blessed life. Many times they are if then. If then. Salvation is not one of those. Salvation is simply come. But when you're talking about living a blessed life, you have to make some if-then decisions. If I choose to follow this principle in the word of God, then he is obligated to fulfill a blessing in my life. Don't misunderstand me. We do not hold God hostage. He is not our lucky rabbit foot. He is not a good luck charm. But what he is is principle-oriented. And if he gave us a word, and in that word there's a principle, an if-then principle, and we apply that, then he will honor it because he is honored to and bound to his word. If he said it, he will do it. If he said that I will provide all of your needs according to my riches in glory, then he will do that. If he said, you have robbed me by not paying your tithes and offerings, so therefore a curse is coming, guess what? He sticks with that one too. If he says, you pay your tithes and your offerings, and I will open the windows of heaven and fill your storehouse, he will honor that one too. We don't get to pick and choose which one we like and leave the others aside, do we? When you live a principled life, you take the principle at face value and you live it out. Being a Christ follower is simply following Christ. <laughs> it's not much more complicated than that. So if he teaches forgive, then guess what? We forgive. If he teaches love, then guess what? We don't get to say, well, they don't qualify. No, 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 no. We love. If he says, forgive people that do you wrong, we don't get to say, well, this was a really bad wrong, and you didn't, definitely didn't specify what type. No, he just says 70 times 7, forgive, doesn't he? So if we choose to follow Christ, we follow Christ. When you begin to realize the power of principled living, you will begin to see its effect on your life. And so here's what I want you to understand from today going forward. It's time to make our faith practical. It's time to start saying, praying prayers like, God, you said that if I would do X, you will do Y. You said, if I will pray, seek your face, turn from my wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven, you will heal my land, you will intervene in my life, you will give me blessing. It's time for us to start praying. Instead of the grocery list prayer, how many of you guys pray the grocery list prayer? 
It goes something like this. Dear Lord, you can replace it with Aldi or Safeway. Same, same list. I need help with this. Uh, give me the raise at my work. Uh, fix my wife. She's messed up. Uh, my kids need help. Um, I need my car. has got 10,000, 100 million miles on it. I need another one. Uh, you know what? You, you follow me? Right? The grocery list sort of prayer. And we kind of get into that vein of checking the boxes. Oh, yeah, John said I need to pray for his kid, so bless John's kid. And the whole disconnect there. And we're treating God like a cashier. We're treating him like we've literally gone to the grocery store and we've picked all the things in our basket and we've come to him and we're going to take him home. So much more that he's trying to unpack for us. Living a blessed life does not mean you live a life that is perfect without trouble. It means you're not taking it on by yourself. What did I say blessed was? Divine or supreme favor. That means when you come to the end of your rope, he just gives you another plan. He has an alternative for you. But you see, we don't have to wait until we're at the end of our rope. When we begin to live a blessed life, it's happening every day in us. And we live on purpose. The Bible is interesting. God's principles are interesting because many times they're opposites and they don't always make sense. For example, he says, if I lose my life, in him, I'll find it. He says, if I embrace my weakness, he will reveal supernatural strength. He tells me if I'm struggling with fear and anxiety, that love is what breaks that chain. That doesn't make any sense. He says, he says if I want to live free, I have to forgive the people that have hurt me the most. He says that if I'm struggling with provision, the only way to change that dynamic is to give. Are you with me? Who ever heard of giving yourself out of debt? Who ever heard of loving when people are hating you? The gospel will change your life. Not only will it give you hope for eternity, but in this life you will live differently when you go to your co-worker who's drowning in debt and you're like dude you just need to put God first in your finances what does that mean that means you give well that doesn't make any sense I don't have enough what is it Jesus did one of the greatest parables or not a parable but greatest stories when he's sitting there there's thousands of people there's 5,000 men so triple that 15,000 people and they're hungry. And like, what are we going to do about these people? He's like, do you have lunch? No, but this kid's got a couple pieces of bread and some tuna fish. Bring it to me. Let me show you what giving out of nothing can produce in your life. And so he blesses it. He, the, the scripture said, look it up. It's in the Gospels. All of them. All four of them breaks the bread. He blessed the bread and he broke it and he just kept breaking it and he just kept breaking it and he just kept giving and people started eating and people were eating till you know, I don't want any more tuna fish. I don't want any more bread. I'm done. I'm full. I don't want there was extra. There was leftovers. That's what blessing looks like. It's divine. If you can figure it out, it's not divine. 
<laughs> if you could save yourself, you wouldn't need a savior. If you could figure out your whole life, you would be God. <laughs> but none of us in this room, no matter how great you feel right now, you are not God. And so if we really want to see God do something in our life, we've got to pour out things in us, pieces of us, that we think, well, he surely can't figure this bit out. Oh, yes, he can figure that bit out. When we break these misconceptions and these misunderstandings, it begins to reveal a truth and it begins to bring a freedom in our life. If you commit to this journey, if you can commit to this journey over the next few weeks, I promise you, God will show up in your life. I promise you. If you'll commit to this, you're going to see God do something in your life. He'll make it real. A blessed life is not a perfect life. A blessed life is a life filled with hope, peace, fulfillment, contentment. A blessed life is a life of freedom, and that's what we do here. We want you to find freedom because the only way to freedom is through Christ Jesus. And once you find him and you start following him, there are principles that we can apply to our life that will give us a blessed life. A life that has these things in it. Hope, peace, the intangibles. But it's not just those things. He'll do the, he'll do the natural things. He'll take this. He'll take these. And he'll multiply them. I would rather live on 90% of blessed money than 100% of cursed money. I would rather live on 80% blessed finances than 100% of cursed finances. And when he says he'll bless, he'll bless. And when he says he'll curse, guess what? He'll curse. <laughs>